Taser. Nothing personal word of the day for April 13th, 2021 is Taser. It's the top of the news in sports. It's the top of the news in politics. It's the top of the news in this country, maybe around the world. Not sure around the world. Should it be top of the news around the world? Another shooting of a black kid pulled over for an infraction. Air fresheners, I guess, on the rearview mirror had an outstanding warrant. A police officer in Minnesota, where the trial of the officer who killed George Floyd is happening right now, and pulled out a gun, thought it was a taser, yelled taser, and it was an actual gun, shot Dante Wright and killed him. This reverberated through the sports world yesterday very, very quickly because times require that when something happens in your backyard, it used to be that when it was a natural disaster, you had to think about how to deal with it. Now it's any event that happens in your backyard when you have a sports team, you have to be very, very careful how you play it, what you say when you say it and whether or not to even play. The Minnesota Twins, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Minnesota Wild all had games scheduled last night and all postponed. I started thinking about what goes into those decisions to postpone a game. And it used to be a much easier decision. We would be in contact with the local authorities when there was a hurricane in Miami if police and first responders were required at another place to the point where there was not enough coverage or we would be taxing the police force or the emergency rescue folks, then we would be forced not to play because we wouldn't have security. If our ballpark needed to be used for another reason, the, ball, the parking lots or whatever the case may be, then we would postpone. We tried not to make moral judgments about when to postpone. What's a worse crime? Killing an unarmed black person? Sexual abuse? Molestation? Rape? Murder of same colored person, the same colored person, not a police officer? A senseless murder in a part of town in Miami? Is that enough? A scandal, politically motivated, some sort of sex scandal. That's prurient, salacious. Is that enough for a postponement? You used to have to be very careful how you chose what hill to die on. Because postponing games and sports used to be something that was not done. It was extremely rare. But times have changed in a way that It's both good and bad, isn't it? What's the good side? The good side is that Dave St. Peter, the president of the Twins, can come out and say today, baseball feels a little less important. It's good that he recognizes that. I fought that every day for so many years because the world revolved around baseball. For me, the world revolved around the fact that I was president of a team. I felt as though I was so important Every call I had, every meeting I had, 
every interaction I had with somebody, a celebrity or a player, look at me, big SD. I got feeling after a while that maybe we were just a cog in the machine and maybe it was important to me, but not others. So what I did in my last 10 years as team president is I would, would call three people. I had three people in my life, old friends from high school who knew me before I got into sports, before Survivor, before anything that was Googleable. And they, they are not sports fans. And I would call them and I would ask a question. Are you familiar with this story? Eight out of 10 times, that's anecdotal. It felt like eight out of 10 times. They would say, I have no idea what you're talking about. I didn't read about that. I didn't hear about that. You didn't hear about the almost no hitter that we had? No. You didn't hear about the fight in the clubhouse? No. Did you know we just fired our manager? No. Why? What, you did? Do you do that a lot? I would do that so I could get a frame of reference to fully understand perspective and understand how important sports was, how important my role was in sports. Then as the years passed, I started thinking about other bigger issues, social issues, racial issues, economic issues. Started focusing more time on the charitable events and charitable activities that our team did tried to figure out a way to build a legacy, not related to rings, but related to life, related to quality of life. I got no greater pleasure than feeding people who couldn't afford food, who couldn't care less whether or not we traded our best players, couldn't care less whether or not we won games. They couldn't care less about anything other than figuring out where to get their next meal, knowing it would be their only meal of the day. Then in 2020, Everyone started to wake up and realize that the systemic racism, all the implicit biases that we all have, all of the inequity that exists, that has become an issue that, not an issue du jour, but an issue de vivre, an issue of life, an issue that we are gonna bring to the forefront and we are gonna stay on until something happens, until change is made. Baseball, along with the other sports, said that our smartest play here is to go along with that. Our smartest play from a business standpoint is to make sure that this social issue is one that we take seriously enough that fans and sponsors understand that we're going to be on the right side of history. And I've spent hours on this show with, with Coco, with you all, talking about being on the right side of history. But when is it when you're making decisions for your company, you know you're gonna be on the right side of history, but how do you know when enough is enough? Why is canceling one game in Minnesota enough, but not two, not three? Folding your team. Why is not canceling a game in Minnesota being looked at by sponsors or fans or pundits in the media as though you don't care that an innocent man was shot by a police officer in Minnesota. When did that happen? Why do we have to prove our level of care in direct correlation to the length of our statement or in direct correlation to how we don't work 
We're not going to work today because we care. We're not going to play today because we care. We're going to convene a committee because we care. We are going to study the impact of this event or that event to make sure that we educate people so this doesn't happen again because we care. Running a sports team now means you're measured by the amount you care and the measuring stick is the amount you say, not the amount you do. The measuring stick is the way you say it, not what is said. God, that makes it tough to run a business, doesn't it? And I'm not specifically talking about at all the impact of a player playing or not playing because we're going to get to that next. I'm talking about in a macro sense what organizations have to do when making these types of decisions. You need to surround yourself with people who don't know one thing about your business, but have a pulse on your community. You need to surround yourself with advisors who you're willing to listen to, even though it may have a negative impact on your business. But then you've got to look at all sides of the issue and decide what your position is going to be. I know very well when you live in a multi-sports town and you're one of the teams, you call the presidents of the other teams. Hey, are you going to play? Are you going to play? Should we play? Should we not play? Should we do something together? Are we going to donate money together? Do you want to be on this committee I'm convening? Okay, we can co-convene it. It's optics. So often it's eyewash. Maybe that's changing. It doesn't change with canceling a game. It doesn't change by acknowledging that baseball's less important today than it was yesterday. What's the difference between yesterday and today? Because another person got shot, but baseball is still important in the 29 other cities where games weren't canceled. I think it's a slippery slope that scares me. I want to be in a country of doers, not talkers. I want to be in a country where people care to be the difference they talk about instead of talking about the difference they claim to make. You're all asking a ton of questions about this. And I want to try to answer as many as I can. But today, I can only answer one. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. It's a shtick we have. We can't not play the half-baked theme when you ask questions and you rate and review on Apple and you go into my Twitter, David P. Sampson, just because the topic is more serious or less serious or more important or less important, we're still going to do the shtick. So you want to talk to Sampson. You got in my Twitter and a question was asked by a Yankee fan. What would you say to players who didn't want to play last night? What, what are we talking about here? Aaron Boone, the manager of the Yankees, said that Giancarlo Stanton, Marcus Thames, and Aaron Hicks had talked about the possibility of not playing last night after what happened in Minnesota. And Aaron Hicks went into Aaron Boone's office and said, I'm not in the right frame of mind. I need a mental health day. Here's how the old David Sampson, president of the team, reacts to that. Aaron, we need you in the lineup. I don't, I understand that you're hurting. We're all hurting. 
but you got to close your mind to it and focus on the game at hand. And in three hours and 30 minutes, we'll figure out what next moves can be so you can help make a difference. But for now, you have a job to do and do it. That was the old David Sampson. I was thinking last night whether there's a new David Sampson or whether I'm new because I'm not in that position anymore. I'd like to believe I'm new because I'm more enlightened. I don't want to say woke. I'd like to think I'm new because I'm older, more experienced, more secure, more aware. I don't know if that's true, though. I think what's changed about me is having spent more time with players not being president, recognizing what goes on off the field has such an impact of what happens on the field. Spending time talking to non-uniform personnel who call in sick, who use a vacation day, and treating those people far differently than I treated players. You need a vacation day, you have an issue in your family, I get it, we'll cover you. We'll take care of the meeting. It's a big meeting, there's no doubt about it, but we got you covered. I never gave that benefit to players, ever. Even though we'd have players covered, even though players get off days, load management, et cetera. I never wanted to acknowledge any difficulty that players had when they were being traded, which by the way, is gonna come up again in this show after the break. The difficulty players have when they're having family issues, kids sick at home, problems with their spouse, significant other, just not feeling well mentally. And what's ironic is before I was team president, there was a concept that we had with our kids that we would grant them a mental health day once a year in school. They could wake up and say, today I'm not going to school. Today I'm taking a mental health day. Don't call the DSS. The kids made it through high school. Two out of three made it through college. One is going to college at the end of this year, senior in high school. They would get a mental health day because my view at home was, I'm going to believe in you. If you need a day, don't abuse it. But if you need a day, you take it. But you know, that means you may have to work twice as hard tomorrow. Make up an exam. Make up an assignment. You're responsible for your grades. I'm not going to hover over you like a helicopter parent. Do your job. Why I didn't give players the same benefit of that doubt is beyond me. Aaron Hicks walks into Aaron Boone's office and says, I need the day. Aaron Boone doesn't think twice. That's not exactly true. He 100% called Brian Cashman. There's no way that a manager of a team gives a player a mental health day without communicating with his general manager and team president. Just doesn't happen. If you expect Aaron Hicks to be in the lineup and the lineup is released and he's not in it and you're not told why, that manager has a problem communicating up and that's going to be an issue. Aaron Boone calls up Brian Cashman. Cashman says, NP, no problem. Give him the day. Nothing to do with him struggling this year. Nothing to do with the Yankees sort of struggling. Nothing to do with any of it. He wants a day. We're going to give it to him. Let me ask you folks this. What happens if DJ LeMahieu walks in and says, I need a day. I'm in a fight with my wife. A, I don't know if he fights with his wife. B, I don't know if he's married giving you an example. And by the way, it doesn't matter that he's white. I just, that's the first name I thought of because he hits lead off. Do you give them the mental health day 
or do you give the mental health day because this is an issue that is so front of mind that is so important right now that teams have to take it seriously in a way that they don't have to take other issues seriously. I had plenty of players who had sick family members. I felt zero empathy at all. Hey, I hope he feels better. If there's anything I can do, let me know. But by the way, get dressed, you're playing. Plenty of employees had issues at home, divorce, problems with their kids in school, disciplinary issues, whatever the case may be, do your job. Do it. Was I wrong? Did it make me a less effective leader? Did it make me less empathetic? Is drawing a line between professional and personal necessary anymore? Because it certainly used to be. Don't bring your personal life into this office. Don't bring it into this clubhouse. Separation of church and state. Are we now at a place where there is no difference? Your problems are my problems. Your problems are our problems. Whatever you think your problems are, we agree. You think they're bad, they're bad. We've got teams of psychologists and therapists for your mind and your body, but it's up to you when you're ready to work. Baseball is a job. Playing sports is a job. Running a team's a job. It's a very well-paying job. Does that matter? Are your mental health issues less important the more you get paid? Are you expected the more you get paid to ignore and suppress your mental health issues? Yes. Is that right? I'm learning that it may not be. I'm learning that people, no matter what they're paid, no matter how famous they are, have the same issues that you do that I do. We all squat to pee, don't we? What I would say to players who didn't want to play last night is you don't have to play. And the old David would have crossed his fingers and said, I can't believe the situation I'm in where I have to say to these players, I'm okay with it. The new David Samson would say to the players, you take the day and get ready to play tomorrow. And then the new David Samson would go into his office and say, Christ, why is tomorrow better than today? I'm not fully able to answer that question. I'm not fully able to tell you why baseball is less important today than it was yesterday, but it'll be more important tomorrow than it was today. I'm not fully able to tell you why it is that certain mental health issues, we expect them to go away in a day. Remember when we talked, Coca, about the natural disasters? And how everyone raises money for them and then goes on to the next thing while the people stuck in those places live with the impact of that natural disaster for weeks, months, and sometimes years after. But we've moved on. We got the next issue. The next issue of today. How many more issues are there? Infinity and beyond. We come back. One of you asked me to watch a movie and I'm extremely upset that you did and then we're going to talk about Sam Darnold as well. We will be right back here on Nothing Personal. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Welcome back to Nothing Personal. I didn't mean for this show to be sort of a downer show. There's just a lot of stuff going on in the world that sometimes weighs heavily on me, and it bleeds into the show because we talk about what's trending, we talk about what's real, and we try to give you a different perspective. It's something to think about here on Nothing Personal. One of the things we do is watch a movie every day or a TV show. I'm at the end of season two of Good Girls, season three of Good Girls, excuse me. And uh, I also am watching a movie every day. I take your suggestions. I keep a list of them. Someone tweeted at me to watch Girl in the Basement on Hulu. I didn't realize it was a Lifetime movie. I didn't realize it would have commercials. I didn't realize it was Judd Nelson. I had no idea what it was about. I sat down and watched it last night. And I had to watch some comedy after that because I was afraid I'd have nightmares. Girl in the Basement is about a situation that made me so angry and so hurt that I had a very hard time with the movie. I don't know how to suggest for you to see the movie because I don't want you to. I'm just going to tell you what it was about and then don't watch it because I don't want you to feel what I felt last night. Judd Nelson stars as a man. They made him American. It's based on a true story of an Austrian man, a 49-year-old who abused his daughter and then decided to imprison her in his own basement when he had a wife and another daughter. He made her live in that basement for 24 years. No windows, no nothing. Food was a privilege, not a guarantee. Air was a privilege, not a guarantee. The only thing that was guaranteed was his rape of his daughter, his abuse of his daughter. He fathered six children with his daughter. Some of the children got to live upstairs with the grandmother, who was the father's wife and the mother's mother. He took three of the kids upstairs because that was part of his story, that the daughter had disappeared into a cult and was sending children back to be taken care of. She was able to escape after 24 years when they had to go to the hospital because one of the daughters, who was then 19, growing up in a basement. It reminded me of the movie with Brie Larson called Room. Police and people at the hospital were a little shocked at a few things they saw. Eventually, they discovered them in the basement and the father is currently still in prison in Austria. This is a long way from Bender and Breakfast Club, the part that Judd Nelson played. 
And this movie made me question humanity. And it's a way that I question it when I read about serial killers or I read about murderers or I read about racists or white supremacists. I just read about people who are so intolerant or so evil to their core. And I wondered to myself, A, how anyone cannot be favor of the death penalty and B, how it is that we rate murder as worse than rape or incest. I guess people do that only when they haven't been raped or had incest committed upon them. What kind of evil comes of this? So then I got a tweet from someone and I wanna talk about it. And Coco, we didn't talk about this pre-show, but this was something that came to me yesterday over a segment we did and I have no idea when we did it. We were talking about abuse and <clears throat> we were talking about domestic violence. And for whatever reason, the impression that this listener got was that I was focused on man abusing woman. And it was pointed out to me that women can abuse men, men can abuse men, women can abuse women. And I realized that by not speaking correctly or thinking that something went without saying, I was reminded again that in this day and age, nothing goes without saying. You cannot say, this goes without saying. This happened with Levitard too, when he was talking about Myers Leonard and he had to apologize for not saying what goes without saying. So it goes without saying that any sort of abuse is evil, wrong, criminal, and deserves the fullest punishment allowable by law, if not more. And yes, I would like the laws changed on what the penalties and punishments are for incest, abuse, rape. I apologized via Twitter DM because I was wrong. Any abuse, it doesn't matter that it's man to woman, father to child, husband to wife, wife to wife, husband to husband, it does not matter. What this person did in Austria, I don't understand where that evil comes from. And it was pointed out to me that sometimes monsters are born to be monsters. Sometimes monsters have been abused themselves and become abusers. And I didn't talk about that in that segment. And I said, you're right, but it's our job in society to recognize when this happens and to get the proper help so that monsters do not have to become monsters because they grew up with other monsters. If we don't stop the chain, it's infinity. And then what? It just gets worse. Girl in the basement, please don't watch it. But please, if you see something, say something, Please, if you think something's off, it is. If you get that feeling in your gut when you're at a soccer game or you're at a little league game or you're in an airport or wherever you are that something's off, it's okay to say something, even if you're wrong, because what if you're right? Sam Darnold met the media yesterday. Sam Darnold is the erstwhile quarterback for the Jets, the second coming of Joe Namath. All excited. 
when the Jets drafted him. Wasn't he a top pick, like a number two or three pick, Coco Sam Darnold? He was a very high pick by the Jets. He was brought in, and then they brought in Adam Gase, who was going to become the uh, mentor to Sam Darnold, and the Jets were simply going to become this juggernaut of offense. Turns out Sam Darnold was less than mediocre. The Jets were more mediocre than that, if not poor. Sam Darnold got traded to the Charlotte Panthers, except they're not the Charlotte Panthers. They're the Carolina Panthers. He met the media, and he talked about the difficult time he had at the end with the Jets. And this ties in to a story before the break about players, about their mental health, about the impact that things have on players. And Sam Darnold was honest about the trade rumors because he was rumored to be traded forever from the Jets. And he said they were so difficult, they made him insane. He's a planner, he said, and I related immediately because I'm a major planner. I'm a list maker. And he said that not knowing where I was going to be made it hard for me to plan. And when something is hard for me to plan, I can't picture it. When I can't picture it, I go insane. The old David Sampson would have given zero bleeps if a player would said that. The old David Sampson, even in previous iterations of nothing personal, would have said, give me a break, Sam. You're traded. Pack a bag and get to Carolina minicamp. See you later. I was thinking about the hundreds of players I had traded and how many of them I'd spoken to saying, hey, we're going to, you've been traded to the Toronto Blue Jays. Pick a team, doesn't matter. New York Mets. You're going to hear from their traveling secretary. Good luck. Bye-bye. Thank you for all of your work. We would call players we acquired. We'd have our traveling secretary call and say, we've got a flight for you. You've got 72 hours to report, but we'd like you to report now. We've got a flight for you. Pack a bag, get to the airport. And we got a hotel room for you at this place. Good luck. Here's the name of a corporate housing person if you want to call a broker. Here's a uh, directions to the ballpark. Batting practices at four o'clock. God, is that harsh? What if that player had kids, family? What if they were the caregiver of a family member? And all of a sudden we were saying, all right, you got to leave your home. Bye-bye. You've now been traded across the country or to a sister city. Who knows where? I didn't even think about that stuff when I was younger. Didn't think about it. Didn't care. Because my background was Wall Street. We're on Wall Street. They can walk into your office back in the 90s and say, hello, David. You're going to London. You're going to work in our London office. Call travel. You're on your way. Well, how long will I be there? Nah, could be a year. Bye-bye. Well, can I quit? Of course you can quit. Players don't have that luxury. They can't quit the team. They are under contract. And in the real world of the business, even if you're under contract, even with the non-compete clause, you could choose to say no to your relocation and then go get another job that doesn't compete with your previous job if you had a non-compete clause and you could earn a living, maybe not as good a living, but a living. Are baseball players in that same position? They can't go play for another team. They could play for another league. Where? In Korea, I guess they could. That's a real trade. Most people go to play overseas when they can't get jobs in major leagues or they get paid more money guaranteed in the leagues overseas, whether in Japan or Korea. 
So I guess I used to think players had a choice. You don't like it? See you later. But then I was thinking about Sam Darnold and other baseball players. It's all they do. It's all they know. It's who they are. It's what they are. Why is it that I was so willing to disregard any feelings of anybody because of the show that it's just business or because of a blind spot that I had? And my vote is that I had a blind spot because you can still acquiesce to a player's mental health issues and a player's desires to take care of himself mentally and still make it good for business. But I was so focused, like with horse blinders on during the Kentucky Derby to get the last ounce of play out of a player, to get the last win, to get the last dollar out of every negotiation that I lost sight of any peripheral vision. And peripheral vision would have enabled me to properly see the impact it has on the rest of the team and the rest of the company. It's why later in my career, I was so much more communicative to players about whether or not they were gonna be traded, to whom they were gonna be traded. I wanted them to be mentally ready, but I always said, we don't know that this trade's gonna happen, but we are definitely looking to move you, but here's why. Generally, it was based on contract performance, and I was honest with the players in a way that I always wanted people to be honest with me when it came to review time or bonus time. Tell me what's good. Tell me what's bad. Tell me what's changed. Tell me how to change it. For Sam Darnold to succeed, for anybody to succeed as their boss, your job is to put people in the best position for them to succeed in the way that they know how to succeed. For some people, you got to call them every day and positively stroke them. For some people, you don't call them at all. You give them their wings and you let them fly. Some people, it's a combination. Your job as a leader and supervisor is to know your employees. If you know that Sam Darnold is the way Sam Darnold is, don't you owe it to him to communicate? I'm happy that he met the media and was honest about how he felt. I hope he does well in Carolina. He's got a chance to. I think he's competing with uh, Teddy Bridgewater, isn't he, Coca, uh, to be the starting quarterback? I think that's the case. Will he do better with the Panthers or not? Don't know. It's not even the way to see today, actually. Nothing personal pick of the day. Did you watch Tyler Glass now? All I do is picture Neil Huntington. And I picture Bob Nutting. I'm having a moment here, Coca. Are you, are you on the show still? Are you there? I can't even hear you. Coca, talk louder. Who is the GM for the Pittsburgh Pirates? Is it still Neil Huntington? I'm only questioning myself. Ben Sherrington. Thank you, Coca. I'm picturing Ben Sherrington. I don't think he was the one who traded Glasnow and Austin Meadows to the Tampa Bay Rays for... Chris Archer. I assume that was Neil Huntington because Ben Sherrington, I'm going to assume is new because the Pirates just got rid of this offseason, their president, Frank Coonley, and their GM. But I was picturing the Pirates owner, Bill Bob Nutting, watching Tyler Glasnow for the Tampa Bay Rays and saying, hey, you know what? God, we screwed that one up. I used to do that all the time. Publicly, I would say to you, the fans, players are like stocks. Never look back after you've bought one or sold one. 
Some stocks will go up, some stocks will go down. You're never going to buy at the low. You're never going to sell at the high. That is the life on Wall Street and for all of you day traders or GameStop purchasers. You are never going to sell at the high or buy at the low. Coca, <laughs> what is today? Tuesday? I have no idea why I was talking about buy low and sell high. I don't even know what we were just talking about. This is nothing personal live. This is what happens. And the best part is Coca's got 20 screens open. He's searching 14 different things. And the odds are two to one that he can help me land this plane. Because when he's quiet in my left ear, the way he is like a mouse right now, that is because he's totally lost. And he said, oh, God, there he goes again. That's what he does. Sets me after show. David, what were you doing? What were you doing? You're going to try to talk your way back to land the plane the way you're doing right now in the show. In minute 35 of the show, do you remember what you were doing when you had no idea what you were talking about? And yet you kept talking, thinking it was going to come to you because your brain is going through the Rolodex. Except this time I don't have it. Nothing personal pick of the day. We're 48 and 30. Oh, I got it. <laughs> yes. Bob Nutting was watching Tampa beat Texas the way we said they would. They were watching Tyler Glasnow shove it up Texas's Tuchus the way he did. He's the early Cy Young Award winner for me after a week. You don't win after a week. You win after 60 games. I'm just kidding. You have to actually be good for 30 starts this year. Look out, Trevor. You got to be good for 30 starts. But Glasnow is so good that the owner of the Pirates is saying to himself, I couldn't have fired Huntington fast enough. How could that have happened? I go back and look at players all the time. That's what we were talking about, Coca. I would root against every player that we traded. Every player. I would tell them I'm rooting for them. I would tell the fans. I, would, I didn't look back. I would tell the media I never looked back. I looked at every box score every day and followed every player because I had a list. I would judge myself every single day based on players and how they performed after we had traded them. Even players we traded just for money. Those went on a different list. I had a list in my mind. Players didn't want to trade but had to. Players wanted to trade and did. And players wanted to trade and didn't. Those were easier to follow because they were still on our team. We're 48 and 30. It's pretty good. We're going to go to the NBA today. Can someone tell me why the Phoenix Suns, Coke, are they still the second best team in the West behind Utah? They're favored by three and a half, just over a field goal over the Miami Heat. When Jimmy Butler plays for the Heat, the Heat are damn good. They're like 10 over 500. The Heat are decent. They're in a pack in the... Uh, in the Eastern Conference, we're anywhere from, I'm going to say, fifth to ninth place. But the Phoenix Suns over there in the desert, they're good. That's not a three-and-a-half-point game. That's more like a six-and-a-half-point game. When we see a difference like that, we're going to just scoot on over to the NBA and take the Suns minus three-and-a-half over the Heat. How are we doing in Chicago? Everyone happy there? I love Chicago. I don't like that it's called the second city. I never referred to Chicago as the second city because to me, it was always taught. It was 1A. There's New York and then Chicago. Chicago is a cleaner version of New York 
worse weather, cold winters. Spent a lot of time there when I was at Wisconsin undergrad or spending time in childhood in Milwaukee. Had a lot of friends in Chicago. Made sure I went to every road game, whether we were playing the Cubs or the White Sox, because there's nothing like afternoons at Wrigley and then going out in Chicago. Loved it. The Cubs have a bit of a problem right now. And you think you know what I'm going to say, don't you? Because you read the papers. That's an expression that's gone, isn't it? Coke, did you ever say that expression? Hey, I read that in the paper yesterday. I don't think anyone says that. <laughs> I'm just thinking to myself, we need a new expression. Is it, uh, did people say I read it online? Is that the new expression? I saw it. Do you see it online or read it online? Coca, are you there? He doesn't know what he says. So you may have seen somewhere that the Cubs have a COVID problem. I read it online yesterday. I saw it online. I read it in the paper that was online. I still get the paper delivered to me, the actual hard copy of the paper. I like getting the ink on my fingers. Old habits die hard. It reminds me of News Travels Fast with the New York Times. I like having the New York Times ink on my fingers, which is not great because the OCD in me, I have to wash my hands after every article because it drives me crazy having the black ink on my fingers. But on the other hand, I like it because for whatever reason, it gives me this level of intellectual snobbery, totally undeserved. Hey, you read the paper, you must be smart. Nah, it just means that I'm always looking for content and stuff to talk about and stuff that interests me that may interest you. The Cubs had a positive COVID test. A couple coaches maybe put some players on the COVID list. That's, that's code now, by the way. When you see players in baseball put on the injured list without an injury, that means they're on the COVID list. They either have tested positive or they're in close contact, whatever the case may be. But that's a special list where they don't have to necessarily stay on it for 10 days. So the Cubs have a COVID problem, but that's not really of interest to me. I think the Cubs have a wee stink problem. This was definitely known by all of you because when we previewed the season and when we talked about Theo leaving for MLB or for the Mets or wherever he left for, we knew that Theo left because he had no interest in being a part of a Cubs rebuild and he knew that his Cubs dynasty was done. Done. One title does not a dynasty make, but it's still damn good. He's still a Hall of Fame executive with a ring on his finger from Boston and Chicago. But he knew that he had players who his fans and owners may want him to sign who were not worthy of being signed. And he held out as long as he could. And then realized when payroll was going to be cut because Wrigleyville was shut down, that his team was going to be terrible because they were going to be forced to keep Chris Bryant and Javier Baez and Anthony Rizzo. Why? Because fans love them. They are a thread back to the glory days of six years ago, five years ago, 2016, when the Cubs won. How are they doing? Cubs have lost three in a row. They have the worst batting average in all of baseball, near the bottom in run score, near the bottom in ERA. They don't have good pitching. They don't have good hitting. But don't worry, Anthony Rizzo's hitting 118 with a homer. Javi Baez is hitting 243, which may be best on the team behind Chris Bryant hitting 265. Chris Bryant, the former MVP who Scott Boras wants to get 25 million a year. Chris Bryant isn't worth 10 million a year, except he's going to have to get it in the free agent market by someone desperate. It's not going to be the Cubs. We already did a wait to see on that. What happens when you know your team is going to be bad and then it's bad? 
Is it more frustrating? Is it less frustrating? Here's a little spoiler alert for those who want to be a major league baseball executive. It's worse. Because when you know your team is bad, you go into a season tied at 0-0 in first place, tied for last place, and you say, you know what? If this happens and that happens, and then the other thing happens, and then the fourth thing happens just a little, the fifth thing is we could win 82 games. And if you're going to win 82 games, then you only have to win an extra six games and you're right there for a wild card. That is the game that we all play in our heads before a season starts. And how long into a season do we stop playing that game? Not until we're mathematically eliminated. Coca, I used to carry around a schedule and it was called the Samson plan where I would go through sometimes the entire season or sometimes just 20 game stretches at a time. And I would calculate what we'd have to do in each game, each series in order to be in a position to be in the playoff hunt. So when our owner would say, are we going to be sellers or buyers at the deadline? I would actually say, well, we've got 30 games until we have to decide. And if we can go 18 and 12, we are going to be buyers. And here's how we go 18 and 12. We have to win two out of three in this series. Then we're going to go on the road for a tough series. We're going to lose two out of three in that. But then we have to sweep this series against the Orioles. Then we can win two out of three against the Nationals. And I would have this program. And the Samson program, I called it the plan before. It's actually the program. The players would say, because they'd know about it, the manager, the GM. How are we on the program? Where's the program? Sometimes we kept to the program. Sometimes when we were behind the program, I'd say we're a game off the program. Being a game off the program is still okay because all we have to do, instead of winning two out of three, then we just have to sweep and then we're back on the program and that program could get us in the playoffs. What program are the Cubs on? They're not on a program. They're on a straight rebuild program where you know they're going to get rid of two of Brian Baez and Rizzo because you heard me say it in a wait to see. I'm wondering whether it'll be all three. The Cubs don't have depth. The Cubs don't have breath. The Cubs don't have wins. The Cubs are in a division where they could be competitive, but they won't be. Cardinals and Brewers are better, at least. But don't worry, fans in Chicago, that your White Sox are not playing as well, that your Cubs are playing exactly the way they should be. You've got owners there who are doing everything they can to teach you that it's just business. This is nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.